0: right yeah. the church should be on the forefront of cutting edge in everything mm. it doesn't mean it has to dominate everything but it should be on the forefront why because we are connected to the artist who is the father of of the father of creation Hi, and welcome to the Storia Podcast, where storytellers disrupt. I am Fabiano Altamora. And I'm David Neronia. Today, we're going to dive into, I think,
1: (laughs) one of our favorite topics, Yeah, which is the idea of what is it that as believers and as artists we're allowed to do? It's this idea of permission and also what we should be doing with our art.
0: So I want to kick it off to you, man. What's your initial thought on that? Dude, it's so deep, isn't it? I mean, I think the initial permission thing is like first being a believer, it's all right to be creative. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because so many times we've been marginalized by the church, the world, whatever you want to look at. And, you know, like I say a lot, when I go out and talk that, Creatives feel like unicorns. So I think there's the first thing of permission, which is you have to believe that it's all right for you to be a creative and find your identity in what God has called you to do, right? Whether that be, you know, a painter, an actor, a singer, a dancer, you've got to be all right. That that's God's unique signature in your life and how he wants you to communicate to the world. Let me ask you because, right? I mean, I know you came to the
1: Lord uh, pretty young like in life. 15. Yeah. So young guy. But I know a little bit about your story, and I know that you knew that you wanted to become an artist, uh, yeah. you know, an actor from a pretty early age, right? Yeah. Okay, so you have this call. You know that you're supposed to be an actor. you want to be an actor. Uh, but then you 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 come into the church. Mm-hmm. did you did you struggle or were the environments that you were in kind of either
0: against or did you feel permission? I mean, to start with, like, when you were as young as I was 15, I wanted to be an actor since I was 13. I think when I was doing our favorite four-letter Christian cuss word, which was skits, I think it was fun. It was only when I turned professional that the issue started to happen. The issue with your oh, your the, church family? Yeah, to an extent or the fact that, that the kind of level of work that I wanted to perform at was not necessarily available in the church, right? I mean, right. do I want to still be doing the skits or writing really cheesy, cheesy dramas that I wouldn't really want to necessarily put my name to, to bless the church. It sounds selfish. I know it sounds selfish. I wanted to do something to elevate stuff, but it just took too long. Yeah, you know, that word selfish,
1: it's curious to me. Do, do you feel that it's selfish? Do
0: you feel that it's selfish?
1: To want it to be good?
0: It depends on the parameters. Like if you're in LA at a really like if you're, for example, H-Rock,
1: yeah, or Mosaic used to you do know, Mosaic, with Irwin McManus. They actually do some really cool creative exactly. things.
0: Exactly, it's it's very different than being, you know, when I when I left drama school, going back to Sheffield and doing it. It's a very different thing because right. you know you're gonna have a hundred bucks to put on a two hour musical, and I'm like, I, we don't have the talent for that, and I don't have the time to write something like that. So, I think being in London would have been uh, London, or even. L.A. would have been a little bit different, I think, because yeah. they, have a lot of, they have a lot of professional talent right. there. So they have a value for it, right? In other churches, I mean, they only know what they know. It's not their fault. I often, you know, you it's know. funny because I, I think a lot about this question of like,
1: okay, uh, uh, faith films versus, you know, secular films. Here's the thing, man. Like just turn on Netflix or Amazon for about five seconds. I mean, 90% of the stuff is utter garbage. And no, I'm not talking is. about from like a moral standpoint. I'm just talking about from a quality, quality standpoint. standpoint yeah. So it's two things. Like I think the church is responsible to get better at certain things to her capacity. Because look, if you're in a small town, man, it's like it's like small town community theater. It's again, it's not just the church that suffers from at times mediocrity, mm-hmm. right? Right. We often point at the church because I think the point we're trying to make is is that the church feels called to say some things to the world, but we're not always saying them with with quality.
0: Oh, but or I think, authenticity, to be honest. Okay. You know what I mean. I what do you mean trying- by that? what do you mean by that? We try and whitewash things, don't we? Yeah. I mean, let's be completely honest, right? Back in the time of Renaissance art, they would have no issue painting a nude. That's Renaissance for the Americans (laughs) in the audience. Renaissance. They would have no issue painting a nude or sculpting a nude. Mm -hmm. And there was no association with pornography. Right. Right. It was just, it was just beautiful art. Like, you know, we didn't necessarily question it then. May have, Potentially being slightly provocative or whatever, but now it feels like we're not even allowed to evoke anything mm-hmm. right and if we do it it just feels like we are it feels like we're propagating something like there's an agenda in it now I know all story to an extent has some form of an agenda um but i just I just feel the the quality that we have and listen, it's not having the money the money's not the thing because for example. No disrespect, and please forgive me if you're a producer out there that's watching that, that produced Ben-Hur. Mm-hmm. But $110 million for that movie that really, really came up short. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For like, a, like an epic as Ben-Hur could have been produced.
1: This is a third point, though. I, I know this in my own limited experience. In, in, wor- in you know, I've worked in front of the camera, but behind the camera. I can tell you that it is a miracle whether you're in the church or you're in the world. With or without money, I'm convinced it's an utter miracle that any movie is good because of the, the amount of people that it takes. I mean, you know, I'm developing a script right now about World War II. And I mean, we're probably on yep. draft 20. Yep. And these are, these are good, talented people. Making anything good, I think, is actually a, a, a real challenge.
0: Yeah. Or it's killed in the edit, right? It's made, you know, it's completely crushed. You got 50 edit.
1: cooks in the kitchen. You got executive producers, you got the network or the studio or the whatever, the distributor who says, Hey, you got to change this. You got to do this. Or you have an actor who says, I don't want to say that line, or I don't want to do that thing. Right. And sometimes that leads to genius. We love to tell those behind the scenes yeah, stories yeah. of the, of the improv line that becomes, you know, the the thing that the movie's known for, but it is very difficult to make anything good. All right, so right now we're kind of talking about the idea of quality. We're talking about the idea of of permission. You know, my experience with the church, which I've shared a little bit about in this environment, was I I was, you know, not walking with the Lord. Uh, I I went to conservatory not knowing Him. I learned my craft outside of a relationship with God. So for me, a lot of my art and my creativity has never really been, I think, fully either intertwined or entangled with the church mm. and that kind of upbringing, because that's not the way that I was brought up. Um, it, it, when, I, when I got saved, it definitely, as I think on a basic level, it probably should, especially given what I was doing in the past. Yeah, It led me to make some different choices, for sure. But I'll, I'll never forget, I, you know, we were attending a small church, and I've shared this story in different contexts, and you know, the pastors there are, are are They're good people. Mm. You know, they're, they're really good people. But I remember, like, parents in Sunday school would discover that their Sunday school teacher, which was me, was, you know, <laughs> had, was on TV. And so, you know, you're in L.A., so one of the parents would say, hey, did I, did it, was that you on Frasier? And I'm like, mm, yeah, that was, that was. Well, I, I didn't know that you were. And I was like, well, I don't know what you do for a living. So, you know, we meet here on Sunday, right? <laughs> yeah. But I do remember leadership's response. And one of the things that was said to me was, with the way that you communicate, I just don't know why you would waste your talent doing that TV thing. And that was... Now listen, not all of my work on television, and not all television is frankly worth defending. Some of it is just silly and disposable and whatever. But it was hard to feel like for me that, the only acceptable gig if I was a storyteller was to stand at the pulpit because I knew early on that that as much as I respect the bills and the Chris's and the Eric's and the Danny silks of the world, I just knew that wasn't my call. Right.
0: I mean, like, just tell, r- remind us again what the Lord said to you when you look, when you were in worship in oh, first yeah. year first year, and the Lord said about the stage, the page in the stage yeah. I mean, I was looking to the left and the right. People were encountering the Lord.
1: I wasn't in, that, in, in the way that I saw them physically manifesting. And so I opened my eyes and I was looking at the stage over at the Civic, and, which was interesting, right? Because as an artist, specifically for an actor, the stage is this really divine, sacred place. Oh,
0: yes. Yes, it's holy.
1: And I looked at on the stage actually at the feet of the worship leaders. I still I can still literally see the exact image in my mind because we, we were doing school together, you, me and Claire. And he said, I said, Lord, why why can't why am I not encountering you and experiencing you in the way they are? And he said, Because you see on the page and the stage what others do not. That's how I speak to you.
0: Which is your calling. Yeah. You're a writer, you're an actor. You don't you shouldn't have to just be behind the pulpit. And I think that's where we become narrow-minded and we're not saying we listen I, I i would love to push the boundaries i think since since being in covenant with you it's like that's knocked off some of the edges and you know maybe well no it's good i'm like it's not bad it's good um you help you know yourself iron sharpens iron right and that iron is painful and it creates iron filings and then magnetizes and you know it kind of creates all these lovely beautiful things but i'm like I'm not saying we, we have to keep pushing, but I do want to have the conversation. I, I
1: actually do. I, I Listen, so for you those know. of you that don't know,
0: uh, you know, Fab and I
1: personally, um, you know, I think anybody that knows us for about f- five seconds would say, wow, those are two different kind of guys. And yet we... Deeply, deeply. We're in covenant relationship. Our families are have been. Our kids are friends. Our wives are friends. We started the Bethel Conservatory of the Arts together. We've even gone to what we jokingly call marriage counseling. You know, you know right. more it's of like a life business coach. Because as leaders, sometimes you have to figure out your dynamics. And maybe in a future episode we'll talk about those. Because I yeah. I suspect that there's a lot of partners both in and out of the church out there that are are trying to figure each other out dynamics, interpersonal stuff. But we knew that we the Lord had called us to lead this school, uh, certainly at its inception and for a season. And we knew that in some way, shape, or form, not that we are by any stretch of the imagination responsible for all the amazing things because we've been blessed with a crazy killer staff. We could not do it, but you know leadership affects environments and and dynamics anyways you and i have done the hard work to preserve this relationship i wanted them to have context for what we're about to enter into we've been yeah. talking about permission but we want to explore the topic of content what kind of content does a church does a christian school do christians what can you make should you make are you allowed to make and i think what fab was starting to lead us into is fab and i have been known to have different perspectives on this but with a lot of respect. It's not to say that we haven't had some lively conversations around it. So when he says, hey, you know, knocked off some of the edges, it's that, you know, I think if I were to describe myself, you know, compared to you in in thumbnail reductionist terms is I, I tend to be maybe a little bit on the safer or more conservative side of certain things. Um, and I think that's what you were referring to, but I want to say off the cuff as we get into this, that I've learned a ton from this guy too, because sometimes where I've either from fatigue or um, fear uh, have not pushed to explore something, Fab has pushed us forward in many ways. So so talk to me, bro, like I know that for you, it's not just to, you know, to provoke or or to piss people off. Cause I know you, I, that's yeah. not really Fab's heart. Why, if it is even this word provoke, what, what's behind that for you? What is it? What's
0: your itch? What is it that you want to see the church or Christian artists do? Do you want to see humanity, humanity portrayed well? Yeah. Like I, what frustrates me is we've gone away from beauty. And again, when it comes to content and art, everything is very subjective. You know, I could look at a Matisse and go, I'm not inspired by that. You know, and you could go, wow, that's beautiful. When, you know, somebody could be hugely inspired by Marvel and go, I'm like, I'm bored. Yeah. You know, so I think where we need to get to as a church is we need to have the conversation of being able to explore things, right? Yeah. The church should be on the forefront of cutting edge in everything. Mm. It doesn't mean it has to dominate everything, but it should be on the forefront. Why? Because we are connected to the artist, mm. who is the father of of the father of creation, right? But I think what we've done is we've been so people pleasing, or so concerned about offending people that we have sanitized and whitewashed our art. And it brings me to the point of going, what flipping Bible are people reading Mm. when they don't see that God was like, I am going to put everything in this book Mm. so that it shows your need for a savior, Mm. cautionary tales, right? Mm. Not everything is just like, oh yeah, let's go and let's be brilliant. Let's take over the world. And you know, we just want revival, which is beautiful. Mm. But in that it's messy. This, I think, this is the crux. I
1: mean even leading a school. We have I just just yesterday I was talking to some of our actors um, um, in the middle of directing a production of Little Women and we're working with our seniors Fab's had the privilege of working with our seniors for a couple of years and it's been a gift for me this year to be able to to do that for the first time anyway so you know we we've been navigating as an environment okay so what kinds of material do we allow our kids we call them our kids no matter what their ages you know what what do we allow them to do what are we allowed to do engaging with leadership here who's been so supportive of BCA and but you know it's it's no secret that at Bethel you know there's even various perspectives on end times uh, theology here so now you get to a space like art and you mentioned this earlier hey we we all walk into a museum we're both looking at the same canvas the same painting let's say it's a matisse some people might be offended by either the abstraction or the nudity or, or whatever. Other people might be entranced by the mm-hmm. beauty, which by the way, N.T. Wright, C.S. Lewis refers to it as an echo of God, that beauty is the fact that we gravitate towards beauty, want to make beautiful things, that we behold beautiful things, is in and of itself an echo of God, which is interesting to think about. But now we're in this subjective space where we think we're looking at the same thing. Yeah. Whether it's a canvas, a scene, a character, a script, choreography, right? Outfits that dancers can wear or not wear. Yeah. How do we settle that? What, what are what are some of the principles or elements that we can distill this because we're in a, such a highly subjective space. What do you see as some of the key elements we have to look at to move through
0: or past the subjectivity side of things? I think for me it's like what I want to communicate. Okay. Like, what is the story I want to tell? Because I don't okay. want to stay, I don't want to just to tell a story for provocative sake, mm-hmm. there's no point. So you're talking about intent? I'm talking about intent and heart, right? I mean, if if there's a dance on stage and like, you know, dance is meant to show the human form. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you should be wearing anything provocative. Yeah. But the point is, if If dance is about lines and body mm-hmm. and yet we are clothing people in turtlenecks and you know huge long garbs you like turtlenecks though i've seen I you do. a I've couple this week couple of it's colder in Reading now <laughs> you know if we're doing that then i'm like don't you think that's shame of- well it's shame and it's us trying to protect people by going oh you know what there might be somebody in the audience who's struggling with this and that dude on your phone you can find that without looking at somebody on the stage wearing shorts and a tank top mm-hmm. the intent isn't to sexualize something right. this the thing and if you If you, as a human, cannot manage yourself and as a leader are so concerned about that, I'm asking them to check their heart Mm. because as artists, like, why can't we perform things on stage like a Romeo and Juliet? Oh, well, you can't do that. It's a little bit too intimate. Well, it's a teenage teenage love affair. We're out of wedlock and then
1: they commit suicide. Yeah, it's pretty. And yet, it's arguably... I mean, it's been replicated a million different ways, West you know, side story West Side sort of Story and on and on.
0: I mean, a lot of,
1: yeah, a lot of uh, young teen dramas are all derivative from,
0: that. yeah, Rolly and Juliet. Right? It's a cautionary tale, but it's also, it's also one of pure love. Like what, when, when somebody rings Song of Songs, uh, you know at risk of quoting, your breasts are like twin fawns of a gazelle. I mean, the imagery of that is relatively graphic, right? Well,
1: but you know what the early church tried to do with that? It it tried to make it a a metaphor for a relationship with Christ, which may very well, I'm not a theologian, may very well be a
0: legitimate perspective. I also think it was a man talking about his wife-to-be. It was Solomon talking about his the love of his life. But let's say even if it was a metaphor for the church, mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful and romantic? Oh, absolutely. Well, and and then what? You know,
1: why use that imagery? It's it's funny how we're trying to reconcile God. and and sanitize and reduce something that I think the Lord at the cross settled. Hey, in the context of marriage, in the context of relationship with both me and 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 whatnot, these things are no longer shameful. I mean, if the cross didn't settle the shame of the garden, then I then I don't then I don't know what we're doing. And I and I agree with you, by the way. I I. You know, we're both married to dancers, um, quite beautiful dancers. I dance is one of those things that I've always just been in love with. Not just my wife, but no. the form of dance. When I was in Budapest, I went and I saw contemporary uh, pieces in ballet. When we were in New York, I, I go. I it's it, what's funny to me is for me, I'm moved by the beauty of the thing, yeah, not the form necessarily of the dancer. But I will say this. The form of the dancer is what in part creates the beauty of the thing. And so when we cover that, mm-hmm. I feel like we are snuffing out
0: the very echo of God, this thing called beauty that we're... we're well, why is, it, or why is it all right for a, man, a marathon runner right. to wear streamlined clothing to get a better time? Shorts that are... Shorts and a top. A dancer can't do it. Why is it then all right for you to go on a beach and wear a bikini, Mm -hmm. but then you can't dance in form at church? Right.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? The idea of context. Yeah, the idea of context. How we. um, Let's talk a little bit about, man. um, You know, you and I have had this conversation, but I'm curious about when we talk about content that is permissible. I want to circle back to this thing. Of humanity, I, th- I think you and I both got to see Erwin in a small Irwin McManus, mm-hmm. uh, a pastor, head pastor of Mosaic Church and that movement down in L.A., which is such a powerful movement down there. And he's a creative himself; he's right. a fashion designer. He's a, one of the best speakers I've ever heard. We got the opportunity to hang out with him for a little bit, and I I, I said to him, "Why do you watch movies? Like, why do you engage in content?" And he gave such a lovely answer. Uh, he said, "To just be reminded what it is to be human." Yeah. When we talk about humanity, let me ask you this question. How do we tell the story of humanity without, and I'll use a phrase that, you know, I think we hear in church, without glorifying sin?
0: Because glorifying sin is the intent of glorifying sin. Okay. Unpacked. Like, um, I think like I know if what you If I was, but... was going to glorify sin, I'd be, it'd be hedonistic. It'd be debauched. It would be a celebration of the glorification of sin. I'd be celebrated. So if I was making a story on that, you know, you had a gigolo going around, sleeping with tons of different, being very promiscuous with no redemptive element at the end. And no remorse, or no, no or cost no remorse, or consequence, no question, yeah. nothing, then you'd be glorifying sin. But I, I really think if anybody intelligently is going to question an artist, I'm not saying a Christian artist, I'm just saying an artist that loves Jesus. Then if that person is intent on glorifying sin, they've really got to look at their own heart and go, wow, I've got some serious identity issues for us. For example, when, when we, when we did the crucible, it was something that it's a beautiful piece of art, controversial, controversial. But I also think it has some timeless principles that we wanted to communicate now. Talk about those a little bit because I, I had the privilege of seeing it. I know that it was a topic
1: of conversation for us here, The crucible is a piece if you're not familiar with it, Arthur Miller and it it deals with what would seem to be witchcraft and it is indeed a, a major topic. There are accusations of it. but it, it but the piece isn't actually about witchcraft, really.
0: No, it's a device that he uses to talk about you know mass hysteria. McCarthyism McCarthyism in the United States, and and like you know, you know McCarthy was a Republican, so I'm not going either red or blue here. But what I'm saying, for the intents of my interpretation of the piece, um, which I felt was a commentary on today's society, Mm -hmm. you know, mass hysteria, Mm -hmm. fake news, cancel culture, cancel culture, um, false accusations, false accusations, and I think it's like also, you know, the the mass ganging up. uh, Mm -hmm. How do I put it? Like you know, the element of what is truth. In this situation, you know, the church being so puritanical that they were willing to accuse somebody because they were afraid of what it might say. Not just accuse. Got Hang Ill, hanging them. Yeah. Right. So now the idea of they were canceling these girls, and I'm not saying there wasn't an element of, you know, naive deception there and, and deception yeah. there from their point, but the way the church responded to it. I wanted to to use that as a device to comment a little bit on what we're going through today, you know? And I think art does that, theater does that. Theater is a place for actually people to air their, you know, uh, you you get a lot of the major, major movies that are predominantly about entertainment and that's fine. You know, anything to say other than entertainment, the hero's journey, but like, I think theater is a, is an arena for us to really explore humanity on a very, on a very deep level. You know what I mean? More so than maybe film at times. I I I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: I no no. So I was I'm, I want to try to find this quote uh, before we wrap uh, that one of my writers Susie Tai, who's in New Zealand, shared with me from C.S. Lewis, which I thought was just absolutely brilliant. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dig it up. Um, what what do I think about it? I think I've learned a lot from you from uh, trying to teach in this space, working inside Bethel. I mean, most of my career was outside of the church, but sure. I've been working within uh, the church. You know, it's funny, one of our students did something really beautiful and, uh, you know, some of our students were kind of asking, navigating, questioning, like, okay, so why aren't we allowed to do this, that or the other? And I said, hey, let's, let us let's actually, let's just look at scripture real quick. You know, I mean, there's this concept of what, what we are allowed to do, this freedom, this, this newfound freedom that we have in Christ. That word freedom is a really interesting word. It's both powerful. There's a real danger to it as well. And a responsibility. And there's a responsibility yeah. to it as well. right? Freedom without responsibility, freedom without a relationship to Jesus. Well, I mean, I know that's a train wreck because I lived I lived that way. It's, it's anarchy. It's yeah. messy. Um, it's hurtful. To you and those around you, yeah. and so on and so forth. So, we, we're in no way stretch of the imagination arguing for that. No. So, but we have young artists that are coming to us, some of them from, as they would describe it, so called religious homes. Um, I would translate that as, you know, maybe restrictive, um, uh, maybe a punitive home where you were punished for certain thoughts or feelings or mistakes and all that kind of stuff. So, we have, and then we have students or even faculty members like myself that had a completely different. Journey to Christ. It's like I came to him later and made my messes before Jesus. So we've got these beautiful artists that I know every single one of them love Jesus profoundly, but they're having different reactions. You know, some of our our younger students are going, Gosh, you know, I just had started to feel freedom for the first time. And now I feel like we're being told that we are not allowed to do this, that, or the other. She's like, I felt handcuffed again. And I thought, Oh, gosh, well, that's. You know, of course, just as a dad, you wanna, you know, as a kind of a so-called father, you kind of wanna have that conversation. So I did. I engaged them in a conversation yesterday where I said, Hey, so just because there is permission doesn't necessarily mean that we get to do everything. So for me, there's this concept of post-post. You find your freedom, your decompression, yeah, shackles come off. For a lot of believers, specifically for artists, and specifically if they're experiencing that freedom in the context of art there's probably going to be some messes. Yeah, of course. They're going to say some things, do some things, because for the first time, they're having to make decisions on their own. For the first time, they're actually having to hear the voice of the Lord Mm -hmm. for the first time, because there's a lot of personal exchange. What the Lord allows you to do and calls you to do is probably going to look very different than me. Mm-hmm. He healed this way, then he healed with spit and mud. He's the he's right, the God of improvisation different. and the yeah. God of of creativity in the way that he approaches problems. He ain't going to approach them the way religion does, and he's mm-hmm. not going to approach them the way that man does. What I encourage our students to do, and this is kind of where I'm—and it's, it's an evolution for me—is I'm holding a couple things in tension. A, we're leaders in the environment, right? So we— For us, we're kind of carrying the Bethel name. We're responsible for it as leaders in the environment. What we do and what we say can reflect on that. Then there's this other component, which is the Lord says, hey, teachers, you're held to high account yeah, Yeah. because you have these students, these sons and daughters that the Lord has entrusted and and their earthly parents entrust them to us for Mm -hmm. a season. So their journeys, their messes while they're with us, to some extent. We're responsible where we lead them to.
0: 100%.
1: And then, last but not least, there's this desire in every creative to play, to explore, to wrestle with the beautiful things, with the hard things, with the horror of being, you know, the brutality. You know, my wife and I were navigating some things and we were just looking back and thinking, life is both brutal and beautiful. Yep. And sometimes on the same day. Brutally beautiful. Yep. And then, so
0: what does our art look like when we come it's into com- these? It's a commentary on it. I mean, like, look, you know, we can't look at a... You, it, there are certain movies people wouldn't watch, right? Okay. Totally. Big graphic, you know, whatever. Not, not for the eyes of a believer. And I completely agree with that. But, like, you there might be a modern adaptation of Macbeth that you can only perform it if it's Shakespearean because it's heightened, heightened situation, heightened language. You go, oh, it's Shakespeare, you know, it's not real. But then if you were to do a modern adaptation of a Macbeth, which most tragedies are based on by the way, mm-hmm. but you can't watch that because it's too graphic, but I'm like, it's a modern adaptation of Macbeth. Mm-hmm. So it feels like there's a double standard and a little bit of a hypocrisy when it comes to what we can and what we can't play. And then, you know, if you were to do Macbeth in a Christian setting, and then they mention, oh, there are witches in it. I'm like, but there are witches in the Bible. There are witches in C.S. Lewis. There are witches in Tolkien. And it's mainstream stuff that the Lord uses an area of people in the world that are witches to use them to show darkness. And I'm like, where do we, where do we? Because not every single movie has got to be like, I'm quoting five scriptures at you, and the Lord said, "For God so loved the world that He gave us." Nobody talks like that, mm-hmm. and then not everybody gives an an altar call, and not everybody has the newsboys play out their altar call, right? It's a commentary of a lot of kind of formulate Christian movies. Well, yeah,
1: I I, I think that actually, you know, we had another guest, Victory. Um, that actually spoke about the notion that worship has actually become a genre. And I think faith, faith-based films, whatever that means, which I think is a marketing term, I, I'm not quite sure it's scriptural at all, um, has become a marketing tool. It, it becomes, I now recognize, know how to sell, and know how to engage in this material. Listen, we've got a couple minutes left. I want to read right. you something yeah. by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. yeah. All right. So he, he said this, and it's, it was in these letters that he wrote, and Susie shared this with me, one of the screenwriters, and, and it was just profound uh, to me. She said, uh, this is C.S. Lewis, we must not, of course, write anything. And I think you can substitute paint, act, whatever you want. Yeah. We must not, of course, write anything that will flatter lust, pride, or ambition but we needn't all write patently moral or theological work. Indeed, work whose Christianity is latent may do quite as much good and may reach some whom the more obvious religious work would scare away. Th- this next section, check this out, because the thinking around this, I think for me, is, is revolutionary. Yep. The first business of a story is to be a good story. Mm-hmm. When our Lord made a wheel in the carpenter shop, depend upon it. It was first and foremost a good wheel. (laughs) Not a Christian wheel, just a good wheel. Not a faith-based wheel, just a wheel. Don't try to bring in specifically Christian bits. If God wants you to serve him in that way, he may not. There are different vocations. You will find it coming in in of its own accord. If not, well, a good story, which will give innocent pleasure, is a good thing, just like cooking a good nourishing meal. Any honest workmanship— whether making stories, shoes, or rabbit hutches can be done to the
0: glory of God. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's genius. And he was a genius. Like not every single movie, God forbid I be controversial, has to have the name Jesus and God in it. You mm-hmm. know, case in point, Esther, book in the Bible, it doesn't even mention God, mm-hmm. right? When I cook a meal, oh, it's a Christian meal. Oh. It's a ridiculous notion this, when you think about it that way, right? Let this be a meal that heals my body. And I know food is healing. It's a different thing. But, you know... W- we've become imbeciles as Christians. No, we have. I'm sorry. It really, I, I want to say that we've become our own worst enemy. And I think we've become stupidly irrelevant. And mm-hmm. this, this isn't a commentary on belittling the church. I love the church. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, love where I work. Like I love working in the industry as well, but I'm like, we've, we we run the risk of becoming irrelevant not just as artists, as humans. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think there's a, you know? <laughs> there's a dishonesty <laughs> implicit underneath. I, if only you were more fiery. Um, you know, man, uh, I was thinking the other day as we wrap up that the best art in history, you mentioned the Renaissance, when you think about Michelangelo and where he was painting yeah. and what his graffiti was, oh, yeah. if you will. Uh, the
0: Banksy of the time.
1: Bach, <laughs> Beethoven, they were churning out this was worship music that was being played in cathedrals on a Sunday morning. And it is still to this day some of the finest art that oh. human beings have ever. The church was, and I think still is the the patron mm-hmm. of the greatest art that human beings have ever. And I'm just wondering, you know, if it's time for us to go back to that call.
0: That would be nice, dude. It'd <laughs> be nice, right? It would be really nice because I'm like, let's let's not make, try and make Christian art. Let's just tell good stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, like case in point, just another thing, just to go back, you can have the best actors in a movie and it could still be bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, unfortunately the story of same kind of different as me, amazing. Mm-hmm. But you've got Greg Kinnear, Jaimon Honsu, mm-hmm. René Zellweger, all Oscar nominees or winners. And then it died in the edit. Yeah. But it's a beautiful story with great actors, but it died in the edit. And I was like, oh, dying again. It's
1: hard to make something beautiful, but it's yeah. always got to be the aim, right? Yeah, it, it's I, good to hang out with you, man. I know this is one of our big itches, itches so we'll probably be exploring this uh, for a long time, right? It's yeah, it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah. If you're an artist out there and you're 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 wondering what you could and you should, I, I do. I always ask my artists to check out Philippians four, yeah. where the Lord says, you know, just meditate on those things, chew and swallow, and 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 nourish yourself with the things that are good, noble, righteous, pure, and lovely, and and uh, but also stay close to His voice. because he healed in many ways. He's a pretty provocative and creative God. And to those artists out there, if you're feeling that itch in your soul, check out a school like Bethel Conservatory. Get trained up, become excellent at your craft and get that seat at the table. Let's make some great art again. It's good hanging out with you, man. You too, bro. All right. See you guys soon.
0: Bless you.